I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Encarta. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element, where I highlight the Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. And it's time for the DITD to link up with the IBWC. Yeah, this was this is a proud pick for me because I picked this one choice. last year. I, I was, I was um, telling you, I remember this right. Uh, I remember when we were locking them in last year, and I remember remember putting them putting the name down, and I was just like, "Yep, just trust me, bro. Just trust me. It's gonna be lit. It's gonna be clean. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be here." Hi, Biker Ben. How's your week been? What have you missed this week? Biker Ben now. So this week, this week was a wild week. It was a really wild week. I became a motorcyclist for the very first time and yeah, more to come on that to be continued. But this week I got into uh, Blade Echo 2C Crest. Now, this album is if you went for a lovely warm Sunday walk in the park with the girls from Drunk and Hot Girls. Like... I'll explain that because the warmth of the instrumentals, they're not destroyed by the vocals, but the vocals are too anemic to cultivate any kind of universe. Like Six Star Crest is a high watermark, but in all honesty, that would have to be the lowest tier on the record for it to move into anything other than, you know, just a little side project. I'll wholeheartedly admit the singing doesn't make it unlistenable. Like when I spun it last night, I was in quite a mellow mood and it just kind of putted along next to me. Uh, it threatened to drag me into a, like a beautifully constructed landscape, but it kept jarring me out of reverie every time I had a heard this like the quivering vocals. You know, it's it's a bit sad in that sense. I think the potential was there for something brilliant, but it just it just was so close, but it didn't quite make it. Uh, Austin Skinner, where I'm at, I love this record, man. The pure hedonistic abandon of the drug references. They hit way too close to home. You know, on missed calls, we get this mournful, really mournful violin, which bleeds into, I woke up with withdrawals, had a dream about you, then I woke up to some missed calls. I've been on drugs. I feel my skin crawl. Pick me up before I fall. You stay with me after all. Only you be knowing what I'm on. And this energy is even more harrowing because of the free association nature of the lyrics, which are set against these really industrial-sized reverb and distorted beats. It's a tough listen, man. Simply hearing someone accepting that they may very well lose their life to substance, but they just can't shake that hold. And certainly this record is in the SoundCloud synth era. You know, the vocals are mixed really low and quite distorted. The beats at times are an impenetrable wall of sound, but it's cathartic. It's cathartic listening to this loud in the headphones when you're stuck on the couch withdrawing or indulging or dreaming. You know, it's just, it's drug-fueled. And uh, I, I respected it. I liked it a lot. Sayari the Kid, uh, Shadow in the Shade. Man, his work ethic is impossible to deny. 26 full-length projects since 2011. The guest list here is enough to pique your interest. T.I., Jadakiss, Benny, Trouble, Lloyd Banks, Ransom, Sci High, Mickey Fax. Then we get Raekwon and Big Crit on the same song. That's, that's a great track. That's a really good track. I felt like Big Crit, he sounded the best I've heard him in six years, man. 
Uh, so Ari is a decent MC. His his lyrics are very cyclical. Like he, he, it's like he got famous rapping about being successful, and hence the cycle perpetuates itself. The more fame he gets, you know, the more the more he gains success through rapping about success. The more success he has to rap about being successful. Like you know, it's hardly the only lyrical theme, but it's the one that lodges in my brain always after I listen to one of his records. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's a very solid 21 track project. Uh, you know, consistency, he's always going to be consistency. He knows no other way. Definitely worth your time if you're trapped into like Rome Streets, uh, Ransom, Spesh, Skyzoo, Flea Lord, El Camino, uh, even just for the production, which I actually feel is some of the best production I've heard all year. It's a very solid and dependable project. And finally, Big Baby Gucci, Iridescence. I missed this when it dropped back in January. Around 2020, or maybe a touch earlier, Big Baby Gucci began to switch up his vocals. It was a bit slow at first, but now, like, he, he was... I wouldn't say he was monotone. He certainly was accused of being monotone prior to that. Uh, but they were mixed a lot lower. His tone was a lot lower. But it was probably around Send Help. I think that was 2019. Uh, and I think Drop Top Lexus is a pivotal song for him because... It has nearly 10 million streams and he switches up his tone repeatedly on that song and the push and pull between the more morose content he's put out such as Send Help and the more vibrant projects like Teen Spirit is really brilliant. I love it how he puts out like a really vibrant colorful <clears throat> excuse me um, project and then he backs it up with like a, a pretty melancholic project. And, you know, he, he balances irreverent warmth with, with sobering reality beautifully. And we get album titles like Assume the Worst, followed by One Night I Took Acid. And Iridescence is in the bright, colorful realm that Teen Spirit and Gucci's universe were. Uh, Lake Minnetonka is one of the best beats he's ever rapped over, genuinely. I really like this project. I don't like it as much as One Night I Took Acid. But I think, again, the production is yet another level up. His vocals are another level up. Christina Milian is a wild beat, brilliant closer to a really good project. I think he just keeps leveling up. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, um, I got into five projects, four of them EPs, weirdly enough. I, I just, it just all says EPs apart from one, which is, I don't know, it's an interesting ratio I've given myself there. Um, start off with uh, Ego LMA, uh, Field Notes Part 2. Really enjoyed Part 1 that came out a month or so ago. Um, if you hear if you hear rumblings in my mic, um, that's uh, eight eight half eight at night, and people and the next door are still renovating. Imagine that, crazy. Um, so yeah, Field Notes Part Two, very solid. Very, really enjoyed the first one. This one has a potential song li- songs list f- uh, entry for me. Uh, Beautiful Days, first track uh, produced by the Blue Lab Beats, as you guys know, I've been guessing them up for the past couple of weeks, Um, and they just produce a real, just super clean beat, she just floats all over that, real nice R&B vibe, you know, hip-hop-y R&B, it's it's just great, and uh, yeah, the rest of it is is pretty solid, five tracks, 16 minutes, can't complain, Um, as as she's going along, I'm, I'm, I'm warming up to how good she is, like, I remember listening to her Honey for Wounds album, and I liked it. It was cool, um, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm warming up to, it. I'm warming up to it now. I'm warming up to it. I think I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, Tiana Major Nine, uh, for me once. Um, this is a uh, much shorter. Um, uh, I think it's only about three tracks and a kind of interludey kind of thing going on. Um, it's, it's cool. It's, it's fine. Um, you know, it's, it's four tracks, just under ten, just over ten minutes. Um, two seater with Smino is kind of the 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 hot track, I guess that people you know, obviously uh, spin. 
Um, but you know, Oh God is cool. Um, yes, it's a cool track. Try a piece. I really enjoy that one. Um, and Formula Once is kind of just like a minute interlude thing going on. But yeah, 2C is kind of like the, you know, the track there. Uh, but yeah, man, Gianna Major 9, I'm kind of, kind of just like waiting on like an album or something like that now. Cause obviously she's, she's released a few EPs and you know, they're all great in their own way. But I'm kind of, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to see, uh, what, what a full body of, work Tiana Major Nike produced. That spoken word she's... track was fire. I love that spoken yeah, word yeah. track. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's good. Um yeah, she's she's got talent. Like, you know, I just I discovered her like right when she right before she got signed. Um so I consider that um day one. <laughs> um but uh yeah, no, she's she's great. I just I'm just, I'm you know, it's it's kind of the same with like um TK Mizer where I'm just like, okay, can can we get something like, you know, more yeah. than more than more than thirty minutes. So I'm trying to Tierra Whack you know, as well, like Tierra Whack as well. The Tierra Whack. I was literally just about to say, it, yeah. So you know, it's it's cool. I'm liking the flow. I'm liking what I'm getting. You know, I'm getting fed, but you know, it's it's, it's up it a bit. Um, Slim Papi Chateau Neuf du Papi. Um, I generally saw the title and I was just like French, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's not actually French. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's it, but it's cool. It's cool. It's just a. It's just a, he's. A, I think he's an English dude. Um, but yeah, you got a Sunny Jim on uh, on the third track. We obviously love us some Sunny Jim here, obviously from uh, Vic Spencer's Sunny Jim uh, 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 works. Um, and yes, uh, you know some it's four tracks, eleven minutes, um, decent hip hop, decent um, uh, kind of um, throwback hip hop kind of thing going on. Can't go playing solid stuff all around there. Uh, April and Vista live from the pit. Um, really enjoyed just listening to these guys. I remember listening to them uh, support Lil Sims uh, during a grey area tour, and I just really like their vibe. I really like what they do. Um, everything everything they do is just completely different. Um, you never get the same track twice. Constant genre blending. Um, and yeah, this is kind of just live versions of um, of their stuff. Um, so you know, take that take that with a pinch of salt. Um, but it's four tracks, um, just over fourteen mi- uh, just under fourteen minutes. Um, I I really highly suggest if you want to get into something like this, where it's like really genre blendy, um, just you know, you just don't know what you're gonna get kind of thing. Um, if you like that, um, if you like that unknown kind of vibe, um, definitely give this particular EP a spin because they are so good live. They are really good live, and these live recordings are really solid as well. So, so uh, shout to them on that. And uh, lastly, Cypress Hill, uh, Back in Black. Um, you know, uh, Cypress Hill. <laughs> cannot complain with some Cypress Hill. Um, just over thirty minutes, ten tracks, real um, in and out. Uh, majority. I don't know if it's all produced by Black Milk or yeah, majority produced by Black Milk. All Black Milk. Um, but yeah, all black milk. Um, so yeah, I've I've kind of been lukewarm on black milk production. Um, I've listened to a couple of his solo stuff, and I'm just I'm just a bit just a bit lukewarm on it for production wise. I don't know what it is what it is. I can't pinpoint what what puts me off, but it's just I don't know. It doesn't 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 hit me as well as I'd like it to hit. Um, but you know, with that said, this album's calm. I can't complain about it. Um, solid features, you know, for Dizzy Wright and Demrick as well. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all it's all Cypress Hill, man. Like you can't complain. It's this Cypress Hill. Roll up the weed, all the weed bars um, for for days. Um, I'm here for that every day of the week. So yeah, solid, solid, solid. As always, from Z Legends, that is Cypress Hill. And with that said, we shall be into our continuation of Women's History Month. Man, this this month is going long. <laughs> this month, it's a long month. This month feels this month feels so long, man. It's crazy. Like I, 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 yeah, it just one feels like if. 
if it, uh, another few months after this, uh, yeah, for the rest of life. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, got another one as well. It's, it's, only, it's only the four for five. Um, but yeah, this one's a real just personal. I wanted to get this one on, really get into get into this one, um, uh, getting into yo-yo, uh, West Coast, um, moving on uh, from rapping to acting, that kind of uh, trajectory overall. Um, but yeah, I just re- every time I listen to her, it's just a real, um, just there's just a real power behind it, and I just love that. I I, I love the power behind her. Um, and uh, and for those, if you kind of if you kind of need like a I don't know like a if you've heard of her somewhere but not quite don't know what quite where, probably either Martin or um, uh, I forget I forget I forget Homegirl's name on San Andreas, um, but. Uh, the sister of CJ and Sweet on San Andreas, uh, Kendra. I think it's Kendra. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I hear of when I hear a rap. I'm just like, right, Kendra raps. Kendra's got bars. <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, it's, it's great. But um, yeah, yeah, Yo-Yo has her own career um, before all that, and uh, that deserves to be highlighted. And that is obviously what we're going to do here with this said retrospective. Um, so with that said, Ben, what have you got for us today? Yeah, well, a common theme is emerging during this Women's History Month, and I know it's been prevalent for every female MC that we've done thus far, but let me just read you some of the headlines if you Google yo-yo. Jada wasn't Tupac's greatest love, plus dishes on sex. Yo-yo reflects on the loss of her lover, Tupac. Yo-yo discusses her relationship with Tupac. Yo-yo talks Tupac's eggplant. Yo-Yo says she and so, Tupac yeah, were actually, in love. Okay, right. Yo-Yo and Tupac dated. Okay, cool. We get it. Okay, Thanks, fucking Jesus. I'm not going to talk about it in this fucking episode. If you Google it, that's the first page. Yo-Yo interview. That's what you get. Anyway, I see So I see strong similarities between Yo-Yo and our retrospective on Easy e Not in intent, but in scope. Because at the time, Yo-Yo was on the same level. And I'm that. it might sound crazy to people right now. And it sounded crazy to me when I wrote that, but the more I researched it and the more interviews I saw and the more testimonials I heard, I was like, whoa, like Yo-Yo was at the forefront of hip-hop in the 90s. I wasn't aware of her advocacy and her popularity, you know? Yo-Yo was a voice defending hip-hop, especially after the 1992 LA riots. And just like Eazy-E, she used to make political points and she was used to make political points. So she made them and she was a tool. And, you know, there was a move, obviously, to censor hip-hop in 1994, and it was Yo-Yo that Congresswoman Maxine Waters brought to Capitol Hill to speak about hip-hop, to speak for hip-hop, to advocate for hip-hop. And Yo-Yo was on TV passionately advocating for hip-hop amongst genuine turmoil. And she said this in the Unsung documentary, which is a brilliant documentary if you haven't seen it. She said, when I realized I had a voice and people were listening, when I knew that music was powerful after understanding music can change a community, I decided to fight. Now, where Easy e was seen more by the mainstream media as a curiosity, you know, someone white news presenters tried to outmaneuver, but someone who ultimately used them as pawns to further his own agenda masterfully, might I add, Yo-Yo became an essential voice at the forefront of the war on hip-hop from the mainstream and from the masses, and the battles that women were engaging in the music industry, but especially in hip-hop, you know, it's no surprise whatsoever that Yo-Yo was heavily influenced by Shantae and that she identified heavily with Queen Latifah and MC Light. Now she grew up with her feet in two different camps because her mom lived 
lived in South Central, where she was exposed to drugs, prostitution, crime. Her father lived in Gardenia, which she described as the calm side of life, and she would go there to rest from the mayhem of her mother's neighborhood. Now, her parents, despite separating, were very intent on co-parenting, and there's genuine love and affection when they speak of their daughter. Yo-Yo's mom was deeply nurturing and altruistic. Yo-Yo tells of a time where she told her mom that the mother of three of her friends at school was actually convicted of murder and the state was going to take the kids away so yo-yo's mother adopted them to keep them out of the system like she was a genuinely great person and she was asked by lynn geller for bomb magazine this is yo-yo if she was scared growing up and yo-yo said i wasn't scared growing up i'm pretty sure a lot of other people were i just wasn't i was more involved with activities thank god i have a great mother who encouraged me i built my own world Inside my world laid activities, rapping, dancing, singing, acting, volleyball, softball. I was on the city drill team and marched in parades. Now, Yo-Yo's love of hip-hop grew from poetry. Her mum brought her a typewriter when she was quite young to give her a sense of how to write and how to form sentences and just to see what it looks like to have your own writing on a page. And by sixth grade, her poetry was developing, but she actually did not connect it to hip-hop until she, she saw Shantae. That was a tongue twister until she saw Shantae. She told Unsung uh, when she heard Shantae, she was like, wait, is this poetry? I can do this. So I really started using poetry for my rhyming. And she put together an all-female rap group in... Uh, they were competing in talent shows around the city, and she actually began battling people daily at her high school. She describes her high school as basically a default performing arts school because everyone was creating together, even though it wasn't actually a performing arts school. It was just like one of those collectives. You know, we talk about this all the time in the pod, like just how people came together, you know, how the far side came together, how native tongues came together. It's just people, creative people in each other's orbit, just just gravitating towards each other. She said, uh, she told Unsung, lunchtime, we're on the quad in a circle, surrounded by dudes, protecting myself, taking them down. I didn't really battle the girls. It was only the guys who wanted to test me. I was in the Latifa area. Who are you calling a bitch? Unity. So Yo-Yo knew, this is how Yo-Yo got put on. She knew T-Bone from the Lynch mod and Lynch Mob, and they went to school together, her and T-Bone. And at the time, Ice Cube was actually planning on leaving NWA and was really interested in mentoring a female MC. So T-Bone set up a meeting between Yo-Yo and Ice Cube. And Yo-Yo went around to Ice Cube's mum's living room and spat some bars. And the rest is history. Ice Cube said he knew immediately that she was a star. He told Unsung the first time he heard her, he knew she could slay any any male MC and that she was easily the best uh, female MC he had ever heard. And he even said that she was a mirror image of himself. Obviously, there's still this um, delineation in 2022 between male and female MC. It's like, oh my God, you could put her in the male category. Like, I mean, it's just stupid. Like, you know how we all feel about that. But the work begun after that. Ice Cube took her up to see Sylvia Roan at East West Records, and she picked up a deal really quickly. And she actually said that she was really happy with this. She told Unsung she was excited and happy to have signed a deal and was under Ice Cube. But, you know, we know how that goes, and we know how that's about to go. But initially, Ice Cube helped write a lot of her lyrics alongside Sir Jinx, and they began to shape the sound of Yo-Yo's debut record. And Yo-Yo told, told Billboard... When I met Ice Cube, I had this feminist mentality. That was before I even knew what a feminist was. I came up in the era where NWA was like, a bitch is a bitch. So I was in defense of women. All of my songs were like Queen Latifah's Unity. So when I met Cube, it was more so, you're not going to call me a bitch. But once we got to know each other, I began to respect him as a big brother. 
its creativity and where he came from. Our bond is so strong. So the first goal, obviously, was to build a name. That was done via It's a Man's World off Ice Cube's insane debut album. You know, everyone talks about uh, Yo-Yo's performance on that record. America's Most Wanted's album, of course, classic. And during live performances when they did this song, Yo-Yo would walk on stage with a baseball bat and the two would go back and forth. And it was a huge moment for both artists because it gave Yo-Yo genuine clout as an MC who could hang on a song with Ice Cube and it further developed Ice Cube as an MC. You know, we know how varied his artistry and writing was from his work on Easy es debut album. You know, he had so many strings to his bow, but this helped endear him as a solo rapper, you know, as someone who... This wasn't just him writing for someone else. This was him exploring his own content, exploring his own humor, exploring his own humility, which is rare, you know, and that's that's part of Ice Cube's artistry. And it also opened up a surefire avenue to commercial success for Yo-Yo's debut album. You know, America's Most Wanted charted number 19 and Ice Cube was a star and it just primed it for, for Yo-Yo to come through for a debut album. Yeah, exactly. Um I feel like um, it was kind of uh, just a what's the word? Um, the path the path was very simple to just to see there. You know what I mean? In terms of just like okay, so Cube's gonna Cube's gonna get hot, and then and then off the back of that, Cube's gonna go and now too, and well, speaking of now too, now to um, uh, make way for the motherlude. Um, I so this is this is kind of just in a nutshell why I just wanted to um give credence to this um to give respect for uh, to Yo-Yo because um the whole album itself is kind of just like you and ITY in an album and in an artist in itself and that's kind of interesting to think about um of how someone encapsulates a specific a specific message and is able to spread that and is able to um <clears throat> able to uh elucidate on it over you know 16 tracks in, in this case um and you know it's 91 so around that time obviously west coast is becoming what we see as west coast and damn is this album west coast i freaking love Super. it um Yes, this the, the production is just outstanding to me. I always enjoy West Coast hip hop of this era. Um, it just, it just, it just has this the bounce, man. The, just the constant bounce of stuff happening. It's, it's absolutely, uh, it's, it's it's perfect for me. I love it. Um, but as it pertains to Yo Yo, I th- I feel like um, the the probably the correct term. Um, in her case and you know you mentioned that she was probably you know a feminist before she even knew what a feminist was but i feel like there's a lot of womanism in there um so pretty much womanism is kind of just um this uh i mean i'll, I'll say it here so uh between womanism feminism being uh womanism is family orientated and focused on race class in general while feminism is female orientated and strictly focused on biological sex related issues met, uh women and girls face globally um i feel a lot of womanism as it pertains to yo-yo and honestly i struggle to find i'm struggling to think of an artist past mate past latifah that actually encompasses this in such a way um especially for something uh, around this album especially can't play with my yo-yo put a lid on it um 
uh, I Got Played, Girl Don't Be No Fool, Ain't Nobody Better. Like a lot of these are kind. A lot of these are kind of um, they 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 go through a. It's not all, you know, it's not all on a powerful pedestal, you know. Um, some of them have that just a uh, you know shit happens kind of uh, kind of th- kind of thing going on. Wow, I can't get on anything on my laptop right now. It's crazy. Um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, man, it's it's a, it's an outstanding album, man. I, I think overall, it's one of those albums where I can't like I can't pick out a whole like a specific song because the whole album kind of just continually just rolls and rolls and rolls and just ends up being like, oh, this is just an outstanding body of work to me. So it encompasses a lot of things around that time that I don't think people can even uh, even think about um, at this point. Um, you know, they see it as just like, oh, so it's like Queen of Tifa. It's not like Queen of Tifa. I don't know, it's, it's, different. It's, 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 it's a different essence to it, but, you know, whatever. That's why we're here. <laughs> But that's the problem. That's the problem with looking back and people, you know, mm-hmm. viewing anything from 2022. You can't, you just can't say, oh, it's just another Queen Lake, bro. That it, uh, that's a whole other episode, I guess. You know, like, if you if you remember last week, I was referencing a book by uh, Clover Hope. It was called The Motherload. And when we were talking about Lil' Kim and she wrote a great essay on Lil' Kim and uh, the the book is called The Motherload: One Hundred Plus Women Who Made Hip Hop a History. Highly recommend it. Now, but Motherload is like it's a really interesting term. Firstly, if you type it into The Sims Four, it will give you five or oh, fifty thousand Somalians, apparently. <laughs> and I think that that's been a cheat since Sims uh, One because I remember typing in Motherload into Sims yeah, One and just yeah. like <laughs> rinsing that game and buying all the best oh, shit. Man. Man. That's a great game, but Sims with unlimited money is just so much fun. Like, it's just, amazing. Spend so much. It's just you, like you just, yeah. yeah, it's escapism. It's, it's escapism. It's but it's obviously, the, the the word is evocative enough for Clover Hope to name her book the Motherload and the, the title of the album, like the Yo Yo album. And that's how important this album was. I just want to impress upon people how important Yo Yo was. You know, Clover Hope wrote a book called One Hundred Plus Women Who Made Hip Hop a History, and she named it after Yo Yo's debut album. And there's there's just so much in the in the title, you know. Yo-Yo's mother was an essential intre- uh, sorry influence on her and the people around her, and just a really beautiful presence of strength in her life. And of course, motherload means something big. Like this is the motherload. This is the key part of something. This is immense. And motherload also ties back in with mining. It actually means the principal vein of an ore or mineral. And this links with her next album, which is called Black Pearl. Anyway, it's just fucking. There's layers to this shit, man. <laughs> and it's a watershed moment, not just for female MCs, but for hip-hop. You know, Stomp Into the 90s, the lead single, it went number two on the US rap charts. And it was such a statement as a first single, because Yo-Yo is often called the first lady of West Coast rap. And the video for this track was filled with people from her community. She told Unsung, From the people that danced in the drill team with me to organizations I'd created within my community, it was my sisters dancing with me. And she warmed people up with that song and then hit them with the actual mother load, which is You Can't Play With My Yo-Yo, which featured Ice Cube. 36 on the Hot 100, which is epic around this time. Number one on the rap charts. Quintessential Yo-Yo track. You know, she takes unity even further. This time gets a male rapper who's at the forefront of the misogynistic wave of hip-hop. And MC Light told Unsung, it sent everybody reeling, including myself. And this is MC Light speaking, by the way. It sent everybody reeling, including myself. It had a soulful sample. Her lyrics were strong, fun, and sassy. 
And she opens with, it's me, the brand new intelligent black woman, Yo-Yo, which is Yo-Yo, but I'm not to be played like I was made by Mattel, but this is this Yo-Yo is made by women and male. I rhyme about uprising, uplifting the woman, and we just get four verses of fire, you know? And up till this point, Yo-Yo was just making music from the heart, you know, music she was inspired to make by MC Light, Shantae, and Queen Latifah, and she told Unsung, the first time I was called a feminist, I was like, I don't know. Then I talked to a real feminist, and I was like, oh yeah, that's me. And we get a track like Girl Don't Be No Fool. Uh, you know, in an interview with Lynn Geller, she said, a lot of women stay in bad situations because they feel he's done so much for me. A little abuse won't hurt, but I'm totally against it. A lot of young kids grow up knowing what love is, but feeling like they want to be loved. They need to be loved. And that's why it becomes a trend. A lot of my friends have guys say to them, don't come at me with all that yo-yo stuff. Like, you know, that's wild, man. And what makes me sad is, Yo-Yo was 20 when this album dropped, right? Shantae was 14 when she was taken into the industry, and it's hard not to draw parallels between what Yo-Yo was saying on this record, on this album, and the circumstances Shantae had to endure. I don't know if Yo-Yo was inspired by that and wanted to speak on it, but obviously Yo-Yo was tapped into Shantae, and both of them ended up getting chewed up and spat out by the industry, but... Bro, this album is is immense. Like this album was was a massive when it came out. Uh, everything I've read about it, it really shook the industry up. Yeah, and um, another thing about uh, adding on to the chewing up and spitting out element of it, uh, I feel like, and also kind of minorly adding on to how we, you know, do these things to provide context and not just have it as oh, so it's another Queen of Diva type it's different um the fact that <clears throat> the next album we're talking about is black pearl and um is a this is the first episode um that we've done where nothing is on is uh readily available um so oh, there's got to be one. There's, there's got to be an a, a, an album somewhere. We've, that we've we been close. We, we've been close. Uh, we've been close. There's, but there's always been like there's always been uh, everyone. I can't think of a specific example, but I know for a fact that this is the first one. Um, but there has been a couple where, um, you know, there's like one or two albums, or or at least one album on the DSP, and that's usually like the most popular one, and then the rest of them are just not there. Um, so yeah, it's been close. It's been close. Um, but it's the first time where nothing where we've had to you know search around for it, and uh, unfortunately we couldn't get much on Black Pearl itself as an entire body of work, which is unfortunate. Now, I did clock that it's, um, it has elements of New Jack Swing in it, which is very interesting, especially when we get to the last album. Well, technically not the last album, but unreleased album. We'll get to it. Um, which is interesting because when I was listening to that particular al- album, that's years down the line, that also has some R&B elements towards it. So I'm wondering, listen, in, in the minor times I've listened to this one, in terms of uh, the, scarce, the scarce limitations that we have, um, I just find it interesting how this has elements of New Jack Swing in it, um, as well as the West Coast hip hop that we all know and love. Um, so for those who don't know, New Jack Swing basically is a fusion genre, um, hip hop, dance pop, 
R&B kind of thing, you know, your Keith, well, Teddy Riley and uh, Bernard Bell um, obviously helm, helmed that. Um, you know, late 80s, went, went right into the early 90s, um, you know, uh, your, you know, Guy, uh, fucking um, Heavy Dean, the boys had one, Keith Sweat, um, Michael Jackson even, <laughs> Bobby Brown, of course, you know, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of people, you, you know when you listen to it, you know the exact vibe I'm talking about when you listen to it, um, but yeah, it's interesting that Black Pearl has that, and, um, but with that said, we do have, like, you know, just, you know, lyrics on, on, on the album itself, um, I wanted to read some from Black Pearl, the, the title track, because I found that very fascinating as a, you know, it's, when, when in doubt, just go for the title track, and that usually, you know, gives you some sort of, uh, what she's trying to go for here, um, and it is very, very, um, there's, a, there's an MC Light song it reminds me of, um, but I can't quite put my finger on it, what it is at the moment, but, um, this is great, so it goes, now all my sisters with the, this is verse two, now all my sisters with the bangles trying on earrings, trying shopping with the Fendi's and ain't got a penny, high school dropout, only 16, like she don't know better, uh, don't think it's a crime, because nobody's there to tell her, life is scarce, you don't take a chance, you're losing honey, the streets will be the only place you make your money. Let's get together the price you have to pay. And if you live for the streets, you'll see a better day. One nation under a groove. We got it open. If we just learn to stick together, you know what I mean. Stop kidding each other. Learn to love each other for the sake of a mother and a brother. Run to get mine. Better yet, before they grab it. Like cold, like cold Pepsi Cola. Gotta say, I got to have it. Uh, staying back too long when you really got it going on. Ain't nothing wrong with being strong. But you don't hear me, though. It's... It's it's very you know just um you know you're talking to a specific person obviously and I love that just um I love that element as all, uh, uh, every time that is kind of uh, explored um but yeah this kind of just leads to an overall point I have as it pertains to this where and this kind of this I probably should I should probably leave this to a final thought but I'll say it now the fact that you know Yo-Yo's music isn't really available in this fashion is kind of depressing to me um but I remember I popped a link on one of the episodes last year, uh, where there's a there's a uh, there's an archive being built um, specifically for um, uh, female artists in hip hop um, called the Keepers. I haven't seen I haven't seen uh, uh, how that's been going on. Uh, I'll actually look that up right now while, I, while I'm talking. But um, basically, if you weren't there for that particular episode, <laughs> it was literally one episode. Um, but it basically is just a, a, a consortium of women um, around hip hop globally as well. It's not just Americans. Like there's a, there's a Latin American artists in there. There's African artists in there, um, and they're all trying to basically just create a, an archive for uh, women in hip hop. And I just love that. Uh, just the idea of it sounds fascinating to me. Um, and it's for people like Yo Yo in this case, where it's just like you know. Why do I have? Why do I only have? Uh, you know, some <laughs> freaking YouTube just to just to just to get something uh, that that shouldn't be the that shouldn't be it. You know, what I mean, it should be readily accessible somewhere. It doesn't have to be on DSPs, but it should be you know there somewhere. So, uh, but yeah, I'll I'll drop the link on the on the keepers again. Um, just to, if you want to peep that, guys. Yeah, it's frustrating. I'm not going to lie. It's frustrating to not have it. It's weird too. Like there's not that much yo-yo music out there at all. I mean, her first album is on my Spotify, but I just don't, 
Like the fact that we couldn't find Black Pearl at all is pretty crazy to me because you can usually find something somewhere, but yeah, it just didn't exist. I mean, we'd have to buy it on Discogs, which shipping would have taken too long, unfortunately. But uh, Black Pearl is a very interesting album for what came directly after it, which were the LA riots. You know, Yo-Yo obviously stepped up to defend hip-hop in her community from the merciless attacks of mainstream media. She actually told Lynn Geller, in South Central, Los Angeles, rappers Ice Cube, NWA, Ice-T, myself are the biggest influence. We're the role models. The only thing they know in South Central is violence. No one teaches peace. That's why I feel it's very important to be educated. But I also feel that our leaders need to take responsibility and enforce the law. No one bothers to come to South Central. They don't care what goes on there. Like I said, it's a lost place. When you see kids looting in the grocery store with a shirt full of food, you have to understand, these are children whose mothers are probably on crack, who probably don't have fathers, who probably don't know where their next meal is coming from. It's the chance of a lifetime. People say they don't understand why the rioters burned down their own community. It's because they feel it's not really their community. The people in our community feel like outsiders. That's not our liquor store. That's not our grocery. To them, responsibility is wherever they lay their heads for the night, even if it's a corner in a park. That's why so many buildings got burned down without any care. I just think that is one of the most succinct and evocative and understandable explanations I've ever heard anyone say with regards to the LA riots. Like, it's unbelievable. And, you know, the activist role perfectly matched with Black Pearl. She actually told Unsung, Black Pearl was the beginning of me establishing some freedom, my first time to think of my own ideas. My older sister, Trisha, who was way darker than me, how many other black girls have been bullied or degraded or talked down? And her sister, Dawn Whitaker, one of her other sister, Dawn Whitaker, she said, Yo-Yo took leadership during that time with Black Pearl because so many people in the community started to look up to her. So I think the more you get involved with your community, she started seeing more things. And she was like, I really want to help. Now think about everything I just said there and how tragic it is that it doesn't fucking exist for us to consume. Like that saddens me. That is exactly what Charlie just said. Like it should be that what she just said was so powerful. Those statements are so powerful. Imagine if the, the current generation had an opportunity to listen to this music, you know, it's just... It's a bit frustrating, you know, it's a bit frustrating. Ice Cube was an executive producer on the album, so Jinx produced a few songs, but their role was greatly diminished. And Yo-Yo said in numerous interviews, she wrote almost every bar on that record. Um, and, you know, just a note on that, she said repeatedly in interviews, it wasn't it wasn't that she couldn't write her own lyrics or that she didn't contribute. She said to her, creativity was much more fruitful when she had people to bounce ideas off. And she said most of her writing sessions with Cube were just them going back and forth with ideas and concepts and crafting stories out of that. So it's not like she was just getting verses and concepts wrapping and just re, you know, wrapping them. Obviously, Black Pearl didn't do anywhere near as well commercially and this was a, a point of contention for the label it charted 145 on the billboard 232 on the hip-hop chart her debut was 74 on the billboard 205 on the hip-hop chart and in unsung she said it didn't bother me that black pearl didn't sell i enjoyed my freedom i was i was one of my own i was doing my own and um you know i think it's a much better album from what i've heard and that the lyrics i've read i think i've only heard six songs i think um it just sounds more focused and tighter and more passionate you know um yeah man i, I thought it was what i heard of it is amazing i really wish i could have heard the whole thing but yeah we get to you better ask somebody so we go 91 92 93 i think 93 you better ask somebody or maybe 94 
Yeah, that's very that's very ice cubey. Very ice way. cube, it's isn't like, it? <laughs> Hit him with a three pack out the gate. Hit him with a three pack, bro. Like, don't keep stay on their necks, man. Stay on yeah. their necks. That's exactly the vibe we're getting right here. Um, but yeah, uh, I I enjoy this album. I feel like it's uh, kind of just it's kind of similar to. Um, it kind of gives me the, the album cover, especially gives me um, uh, Queen's Reign uh, uh, Latifah mm. uh, album cover. It's kind of reminiscent uh, with like the bandana, especially. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's a solid album. Um, I enjoy stuff like Maxtris. That's very funny. Um, uh, Twenty Sack, uh, giving it up. Um, yeah, there's just some really good stuff all over here. Um, I, I think uh, I love the samples, especially. Um, Having a public enemy on, can you handle it? Uh, but but uh, Cheryl Lynn, uh, girls got guns so fire from a just from a sampling perspective. Really enjoy that one. Has a, a big daddy cage roar on there. Uh, the last poets really good. Uh, pass it on has a a, a with devoe poison there, and uh, also Cypress Hill uh, aforementioned. Yeah. Um. Uh, led to the pen as uh, nothing but a G thing on it on on a uh, sample as well, and it kind of it, honestly this kind of just all took me back to like um when we we're talking about biz and it was just like damn, fuck that case man like this, this is why I this this is why people talk this is, I think this is honestly why this is a very big tangent but this is kind of why I feel pe- most uh, not most people but some people um say around this time is the golden age because of the sampling. And I feel like you know, obviously, there's some pe- there's many producers, especially that have worked their way ra- work their way around it. You know, your Mad Libs, your Alchemists, that still produce great work without, um, you know, having the overt sampling of you know, taking nothing but a G Fang or you know, Big Daddy Kane's raw songs that were you know of the time. Um, but damn, man, it's just it, it just. There are some times where I just like um, think of like think ahead, and I'm just like, damn, what if this album had mad samples on it, or what if this album had mad samples on it? Um, but yeah, that's a, that's kind of just a a, a a a general gripe I just have, especially when listening to this album. I'm just like, so many good samples, why can't we use them? <laughs> but you know, we have, they have, so you know, in some ways, I have to be happy with that. And uh, yeah, so it's a solid album. It's actually my uh, favorite Yo-Yo record, to be fair. Okay. Um, her and Ice Cube link back why. up. Yeah, I mean, her and Ice Cube link. I felt like it was just an update on her. Like, I love her debut so much, and I felt like this was an update on her debut where mm-hmm. she already had two more years of experience. She had two more years of advocacy under her belt. And, uh, yeah, she said that, um, hands down, Ice Cube was back in charge. The creative side of the production was out of my hands. Ice Cube actually told Unsung... We had cool sessions where we had to spar it out and see what was on the record. That, to me, was showing her passion for who she is. It's just doubtless, man, that Yo-Yo and Ice Cube created classics together. Bonnie and Clyde theme is just... It's a it's a classic. Like, it's a classic song. Number one on the US rap chart. They had two number ones. You know, You Can't Play With My Yo-Yo was number one in 1991. MC Light actually called Bonnie and Clyde theme one of the bricks of the foundation of hip-hop that will never go away and it propelled the album to stratospheric heights and perfectly complemented Yo-Yo's activism. Prior to this album, she'd actually been to Congress to convince them hip-hop wasn't a bad thing. Like, you know, that's crazy. She was actually on Prime. If you watch those interviews of her at the time, just being shouted at and shouting down 
just news anchors on fucking talk shows and it's it's absolutely crazy man she told lynn geller um i'm talking about counseling about people going down to high schools and junior highs and trying to find a way to pull kids pull out the kids who aren't doing well letting them hear some of that positive talk speaking to them on a powerful level and you know this is this is who she is like i that's why i love this out this why i think it's the quintessential uh, yo-yo album because as we'll see as we continue onwards through total control and ebony she changed she she you know the hip-hop changed hip, the the prevailing winds of hip-hop changed they, they blew in a different direction and it felt like the end of an era and i'm trying to think of another album that really to me felt like the end of an era in the 90s like when we knew that the golden age was done it could have been see I would say Doggy Style is an example of an album that signaled the start of the new era or the Chronic was sure. the start of the new era. But like, what is that quintessential album that we were like, okay, the golden age is done now. You know, like, again, we could say Biz's album is the signaling of the end because it kind of, you know, facilitated the end. Sure. I would say that this album is close to that. It, it, it was just... <sighs> It was the culmination of everything. You know, it had that golden era sound. It had that G-Funk. It had that that sample-based production. But it also had the weight of experience of like, you know, the mid, mid-80s where it was just kind of free association, rapping about what's going on around you, just that storytelling, like, uh, you know, that summertime feel, the Will Smith kind of summertime, DJ Jazzy Jeff. But also the, the NWA feel, the Ice Cube feel, you know, the way that, uh, hip hop was progressing into more activism and and having to defend itself and having to tell the stories of people in these you know communities like LA the LA riots. Like I just think it is pretty close. I can't think of too many albums that just embodied all of that at once. Like this album to me was pretty epic. Listen, first listen, I was like, this ties mm. everything up really really well, and I think. It's a brilliant fucking album. And I'm, you know, you might sit at home and be like, well, that's putting a lot on, on Yo-Yo. I've never even heard of Yo-Yo before. But, like, that's not that's not Yo-Yo's fault. It doesn't, that's, that's the fault of major labels. That's the fault of just the fucking news cycle. That's the fault of so many things. It's not the fault of the album. It doesn't make the album any less impactful, you know. It was a, it was a massive album when it came out. That's interesting the intersection you've made, uh, made there. And you're probably right, to be honest. In terms of just all of the, <clears throat> all the factors, um, around the time. Yeah, that's good. That's that's mm-hmm. great. That's mm-hmm. a bar. <laughs> that's a bar. I can't top that. That's good. That was off the top of the head too. Just came to me. Yeah, that was good. That was that was, that was, that was good. That was a quick sixteen right there, bro. Mm-hmm. Total Clean control. Total control. <laughs> what do you? How do you feel about this one? This is interesting. <sighs> yeah. Um. So this is kind of another one where I kind of got um. Like not hundred percent of it, but I got most of it. Um, in this case, definitely more than uh, 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 uh fucking else. Really, com- really black. Uh, more than black pearl. Um, uh, but not the full. Uh, I didn't get the full beans. Um, so I expected. In- I, be- I expected a lot specifically because of the production credits. Um, Yo-Yo herself, um, DJ Unique, uh, DJ Bowcat, and also Warren G. Um, and Warren G. Ninety six. 
I don't know, man. There's not many producers. I wouldn't have. I'd pick over a Warren G around that time. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He was he literally night, like, literally in between G Funk era and uh, just a year before. Year before. Uh, take a look over your shoulder, which I fucking love. Um, so you know that's a, that's a decent set of producers right there, man. And obviously you have uh, MC Light uh, on on my for cuties. Ice Cube again with that Body and Clyde Part Two. Um, oh, quick! Uh, <laughs> uh, the the Jay Z Beyonce Bonnie and Clyde or Yo Yo and uh, <laughs> and Ice Cube Bonnie and Clyde. What about uh, I mean, there's a, there's been a few like there's Eminem had one, obviously Biggie had one. Like, I mean, how can you deny the dun 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 dun? dun. <laughs> you ready, B? Let's go get him. <laughs> Young B cruising down the West Side Highway, doing what we like to do. I mean, come on now, that's a classic track. Okay. To be fair, O Three Bonnie and Clyde is the first. Hip hop song that I really like. I don't know, man. I rinse that like crazy. So yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I know it was kind of a. I, I always just test your bias. To be honest, that's what that's what I do. Oh, it's massive um, stand, <laughs> fucking total stand. I know it's great. I was just waiting for the day where I can just catch you on saying objectively wrong, but. <laughs> um, but that's all subjective. Uh, yeah, so you know that MC Bree, Tina Marie on bodywork. I love the features on here. I will say that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's I think it's calm. I, I can't complain. I can't complain about it. Um, you know, I expected a lot from the production. I feel like I've I got what I wanted um, off that off off the back of that. Um, and yeah, man, it's it's just my main shit, man. Like. It, I don't I don't want to count the second one. But, uh, I don't want to count Black Pearl. Just off the back, we haven't listened to all of it. But man, three for three for me, man. Three for freaking three, and a lot, and and in different ways as well. I feel like it's not always the same reason. Um, I feel like maybe for the mother load has just like really good just encapsulation. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, fuck, I keep forgetting their names already, man. You better ask him, body. Uh, you know, you made the best point about that uh, in terms of reasoning why it's so good. And uh, I feel like this has a different uh, reasoning as well. So yeah, man, she's she's free, free for three for three in my book. Yeah, well, I mean, this album's fascinating because hip hop is changing rapidly in the nineteen nineties. You know, ninety three to ninety six is a huge, 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 huge gap. I don't even want to go into what came out in ninety three, ninety six. Like, you know, in the interim, Yo Yo had her first child. She popped up on the Brandy remix with MC Light and Queen Latifah. She'd rapped alongside Coolio, Lunez, Shaquille O'Neal, and she'd been in two movies, two full seasons of Martin. So after the Brandy remix, and so what I'm trying to paint the picture here is this was a massive change for Yo-Yo. Like, the first three albums was Ice Cube, bang, bang, bang. Like, it was just refining a sound and then just delivering the perfect version of that. By this record, she had to pivot, and... You know, after the Brandy remix, she actually said, I've been waiting to get on a track like this. The first time I got a chance to go mainstream, we were at the right place at the right time. That was how she felt after the Brandy remix. So if you think about Total Control, she's thinking, this is my chance. You know, this is my top 10 album. And Yo-Yo dropped in October. Lil' Kim and Foxy would drop in November. And they would, like, signal a brand new era for female MCs. You know, Queen Latifah's Unity took a bit of a backseat to unbridled sexuality. 
and Yo-Yo was actually swept up in it herself. She told Unsung, I knew I wanted light, I wanted to be pretty, I needed makeup and hair, I wanted them to see the woman I am. So this album is by far her worst performing, despite coming out on the major label. It failed to chart on the Billboard 200, landed 46 on the hip-hop R&B chart. The idea was allegedly to transcend her West Coast gangster rap image. It wasn't even necessarily a tag that Yo-Yo ever sought out. It was simply by design. You know, she was the first lady of West Coast rap at a time when gangster rap was exploding into popularity. She would always be linked with Ice Cube, one of the top purveyors of the subgenre. Like, you know, Ice Cube was, you could say, I've used the word quintessential like 87 times on this podcast, but one of the quintessential artists of, of gangster rap. And the idea was to shift, shift focus away from that, especially after Tupac's murder and an attempt to ingratiate Yo-Yo with the same fans that would flock to Lil' Kim and Foxy in just a couple of months. As you can see from last week's episode, it was a fan base that was hungry for leadership. You know, they wanted, they wanted someone. They wanted someone like Foxy or Lil' Kim to come through. And MC Light explained this dilemma in Unsung. MC Light said of her and Yo-Yo and even Queen Latifah, she said, we felt like church ladies. And Yo-Yo put it even more brutally. She said, I just seemed like it was the it thing. And if that was the direction music was going, I wasn't going to be able to participate. Now, she said that afterwards. She didn't say that, obviously, during, because she certainly tried to engage in this. And I'll talk about it a little bit in my wrap-up. But I think MC Light's words came about because one of the cuties, right, which is, to me, close to unlistenable, the lyrical content, I think... You know, Yo-Yo's up, opens up with one of the cuties, one for the cutie, two for the cutie with the big D. Like, it just, it didn't, it just felt like a mess, man. You know, I felt like Ice Cube on Bonnie and Clyde 2, it was not near the level of the first. It was the only single from the album that charted. Again, it's not a horrible album at all. It doesn't lose complete sense of her sound. I think Yo-Yo Funk might be one of the best tracks she's ever dropped in her whole career. But in 1996... New was needed, new energy, new sound. Like you think about what came out that year, the score, the coming, Dr. Octagonicologist, you know, Reasonable Doubt, Hardcore, it was written, AT Aliens, Illadelf Half-Life, Iron Man, Ilnana, Muddy Waters. Bro, this is insane year of hip-hop. And Total Control was a rehash. It was almost like a greatest hits of what Yo-Yo had done before but also trying to kind of update it a little bit to sound it, it you know if we if we juxtapose it with hardcore lil kim comes on her very first debut record with a skit of a man masturbating to her like you if you're going to if you're going to do this you have to fucking commit man and lil kim committed and it just wasn't yo-yo's vibe and she's she'll readily admit that and i think that that's why it fell a little bit flat so for the record guys, I like how Ben started off all of that by saying I'm not I'm not gonna mention the albums that came out during that time and then proceeded to do so right at the end of that fucking I had to bro ninety six is wild as fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> think about it. You know, think about like where it's twenty twenty two, like we're young. Imagine being around in ninety six, you just getting hit in the fucking face every month with something like classic. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, I mean, we, uh, the amount of times we've done that, where we've just like named albums from that cut kind of those years, I know. just uh, just just to make a point. <laughs> sometimes you just need to do that. Just this is making the point. Um, so yeah, I mentioned she has an unreleased album, and uh, I wanted to get into that. Um, just to just, I mean, cause 
it was funny enough available managed to find it yeah weirdly enough like I, I find a fucking fi- yeah find an unreleased fucking album but can't re- find a fucking uh black pearl is what it is um but yeah uh this is a shelved album called ebony uh okay was supposed to be released in 98 um but just uh got shelved um and uh yeah it's just been unreleased ever since so i this is this is an interesting album for me listening to that um especially on the back of what you're talking about um and in retrospect i do agree with you on how on on the difference on the attempted evolution of um um of yo-yo um going from obviously just like uh bouncy west coast to g-funk which are you know kind of different elements um but yeah this one kind of goes into what i assume black pearl goes into which is a lot of um, R&B elements. Um, so the album starts off pretty, pretty West Coast with like something like Counting Money. Um, but the deeper it goes, um, the more R&B it gets for me. Um, and I'm not against it. It's interesting. It is interesting because she's she's still like rapping, and uh, she actually has um, Missy Elliott on here twice, which is kind of uh, which is kind of cool just to think about in terms of uh, where Missy was was at that point. Um, I just I don't know. I find that intersection very interesting. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I stuff like um, uh, fantasy. Let me be the one. Like these are very R and B ish. Now I know where Ben's gonna go. It's where it's like this is outdated. Shouldn't have done this now. Da da da. It probably should have been shelved. Da da da. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't mind it on the face. I with the context of where it's at, where ninety eight hip hop is at. Um, it probably wouldn't have if it was if it did get released. It probably wouldn't have done uh, made much. Uh, made many waves um but with that said you know i'm always of the idea that if someone has something to drop let them drop it um and everything has a place and everything um in some fashion is worth listening to maybe not for enjoyment for some albums in my in my in my, in my thought process but in this case is something that i find different at least and in the context of yo-yo's career is different and i can't i can't ever shit on um her trying to do something different if i could imagine that the, if this album dropped it probably wouldn't have uh, made much wave well that's the thing like you know you probably people sitting at home like why would you not drop an album just fucking drop it doesn't matter if it does well commercially who cares it's not about commercial success but if you're in the major label system and this is the thing with Yo-Yo, you know, this is where things began to unravel for her, unfortunately, because the lack of commercial success on her last album was concerning for her label, obviously. Uh, that was the final record we ever received from her. And the idea for this record, for Ebony, was to bring back the unity in female MCs because things had begun to fracture slightly with Lil' Kim and Foxy kind of inhabiting the this just traditional role that emerged in the 90s, like... You know, we know it now, Kendrick versus Cole, Jay-Z versus Nas, Nicki versus Cardi, Tupac versus Biggie, Lil' Kim versus Foxy. Like, it's just this, everyone needed a rival. If you're at the pinnacle, you needed a fucking rival. And two of the most exciting and innovative female MCs, Foxy and Lil' Kim, were already being pitted against one one another. And this is different. This is a new thing because back in the, the 80s, you know, obviously there was Shantae and Sparky D., 
and the real Roxanne, but that was that, that I don't think that created this. I don't think that has anything to do with this. I don't think that was where the rivalry of the top MCs began. But Yo-Yo, this was not Yo-Yo. You know, she championed unity her whole career, and she told Unsung, can the women really get along? Can we all combine like when we came up? Is it still all good? And Unity doesn't sell records in the 90s. You know, it turned out in the end, the label had absolutely no intention of releasing the album. And Yo-Yo only found out through secondhand sources. She was actually due to go on Soul Train. This is the sad thing. Listen to this if you don't listen to anything else. She was due to go on Soul Train and perform a track from a record that she thought was coming out. Her manager at the time said they called the feature artist on that track asked them to perform at Soul Train as well, this featured artist had no idea the record even existed and certainly had no plans of being on a new Yo-Yo album or performing next to her on stage. As they began to pull at that thread, it became clear that Atlantic hadn't cleared any of the features and had basically washed their hands of the record weeks before it was due to release without telling uh, Yo-Yo that it was happening. And Yo-Yo and those around her talk of having boxes and boxes of ebony CDs just sitting in houses, unsold, not legally able to be sold. And Yo-Yo said, I felt like I'd been kissing ass my whole career. I didn't know who my real friends were. I was fed up. I just wanted to kill Yo-Yo. Now, the industry just fucking ruined another incredible career because as soon as Yo-Yo's music wasn't a hot commodity, and think about that word I just used, commodity, had nothing to do with quality because what I heard of Ebony, it's a brilliant fucking record, man. I actually really like it. I think it's a great album. I think it would have been a brilliant transition into the the mid-life of her career. I mean, Queen Latifah did it. Queen Latifah's commercial success dropped drastically in the late 90s, but she did it. But the problem was that Queen Latifah could do that because she had her entire TV career and her movie career. And whilst Yo-Yo definitely tried to get that off the ground, she actually told numerous interviewers she went to acting school, but she just wasn't good enough. She she said it herself out of her own mouth. She was like, I just wasn't a good enough actress to to continue to, to get to the level that I thought I needed to get to. And when this happened with, you know, people ask her what happened to her career, she just said the industry happened, record labels happened. And she actually spoke of being embarrassed when things fell apart with her deal. She said, even in my darkest times of my career, I always knew there'd be a way out which was, I don't know, the only thing I know how to do was entertain. I was a major baby, so everybody represented for me, so I didn't know how to represent myself. Money wasn't always right on major labels. People who I was associated with, even Cube's camp, we were young in an industry when we had to be grown. It was a very new industry. It was not artists against labels. It was lawyers against artists. So that was it, man. Yo-Yo left, and we never got another album from her. She went and worked at K-Day, uh, the, the radio station. She actually went back to school. She told AARP in 2019, and this is a bit of a long quote, but I think this just sums up pretty well. She said, I felt like I had gained confidence in the music, but I was lacking something. I did not have the skills of business, even though I had been in the music business for so long. Going back to school gave me the confidence, and that was my first step to do something for me. I remember walking on campus, and I was turning 30 years old. Think about that, too. This is all before 30 that this has all happened. Like, that's fucking insane. She said, um, 
It was the first time since I was 17 I had done something by myself. I had never traveled or been to a store alone. Everywhere I went, I had someone with me. Going to school was me walking on this campus. I can remember me with my head down, thinking people are going to know who I am and wonder what I was doing there, wondering why I wasn't rapping. For so long in my indecisive days, people wondered when my next music was coming out. I would say to them, it's coming, but in reality, there was no music coming. I had said that so much, but music had changed and new artists were coming out. What women were talking about then was power. I'm not your bitch. Don't talk to me like that. Have respect for me. No matter how hard I tried to fit my way in writing sexy rhymes and telling myself I've got it, I came to the realization that it was over for me. I could not find that happy medium to where the music was going. Going back to school started my life for me. And the thing I love about Yo-Yo, um, well, I mean, I love a lot about her, but Despite being shocked, embarrassed, hurt, despite having her worldview flipped, she didn't let that deter her from the value system that underpinned her musical career. Think about that. The value system that underpinned her musical career was her value system. Her musical career was just one aspect of her life. It wasn't her life. You know, it wasn't the thing that defined her. And that is proven when she opened the School of Hip Hop in 2011 and she told uh, AARP again in 2019, the School of Hip Hop started off as a hip hop summer program. We offer free programs all summer long. These kids want to know how to write rhymes and make beats because it's a new trend. He told me the story of how many kids were dropping out of school and having literacy issues. And with that in mind, I went back to my professor, Dr. Yassin, who was the head of the English department at Bergen Community College in New Jersey and spoke with him about helping me create a curriculum um, she says, we got together and created a curriculum. It became the Yo-Yo School of Art and Academics program. When the kids were in school, I would go in and teach them how to get A's in English through hip hop. And at the end, I want to leave this with just one quote from the Breakfast Club. Once you found your passion, you found your purpose. My passion is women and children. I don't need to promote myself. I'd rather promote them. And I think... That's fucking, like, a lot of people will say, yeah, you fell off, you know, where are you? You haven't dropped an album in X amount of years and you're not on the charts. Like, come on, man, that is the, the, the lamest fucking shit ever. Like, you can't fall off if you're doing what you love and you're passionate about it. And I just see, actually, Yo-Yo's career post-music as way more, I mean, it was impactful what she did in music, don't get me wrong, she fucking changed the game, she changed the world, but it's just, it was just something she was doing, and now she's doing something different, she's still having a huge impact on the world, and I have massive respect for that. So, first of all, back, way, way back, uh, as you uh, went into your uh, soliloquy, there was a, um, there was a point where you, your voice just went mad deep, and I don't think I've ever heard your voice go that deep, little Kim. Um, so just want to, just want to put that for the record. Um, but, um, on your last point, I feel like that's kind of, uh, that, that speaks to me a lot. Um, considering what I do and what I, what this podcast is supposed to do. Um, you know, not just talking about, uh, you know, what, what's going on in the news or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, you know. Whatever bullshit rap TV puts on puts on their socials that nobody should ever ever care about, but you know people just respond with why 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 do people post this and then another person just posts uh, uh, because because funny it's like, okay, um, but <clears throat> yeah man it's 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 a uh, it's one of those things where um, I feel 
such kinship to someone like Yo-Yo where they have this career and they have this thing that, you know, probably, you know, and I've said this, uh, I said this at the, you know, in, the, in the middle of the pod that, you know, her shit, her, her, her work should be readily available. Um, excuse me, but it's not. And that's just disappointing to me. Uh, excuse me. Um, but it is cool to know that she has somewhere else to provide a in uh, to provide to provide an inspire so to speak let's just say that um and that's what i really in, and that's what you know that's what the fifth element is all about to be completely real with you like that's why um that's why i do certain things um but <clears throat> that's why i do certain things but you know because apart from that um that is something that I highly respect from someone like her, where she's able to start again and find a passion that she already had, but, uh, what's the word, uh, but mould it into uh, a different pathway. And, you know, I feel like that could be, that's the case for, that, that's the case for a lot of people where they want to be something, you know, that, well, like, the amount of times I think about this is a very overall point, but the amount of times I think about how people do things right, where <clears throat> they go, you know, I want to be an actor, I want to be, um, I want to be a footballer, but I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be goalkeeper, I want to be like centre forward, you know, I'd be, I want to be Ronaldo, right? Um, I want to be, uh, I want to be LeBron James, uh, I, I want to be, uh, I want to be Drake, I want to be Kendrick Lamar, right? But then you think about, but then you don't, people, obviously, kids growing up, don't think about stuff besides that, like, how is that, how how are they getting that shit produced, how are they getting that shit mixed, you can be in that room, but you don't have to be the, you don't have to be the biggest uh, voice in the room, Um, you could be, you could be one of the smartest in the room, you can always be that. But, you know, you don't have to be the, you know, the big name in the room that everybody's there for. And uh, it's cool that Yo-Yo's found a place for herself where she can impact and provide an impact. Um, and it's in a different realm. So shout out to Yo-Yo on that front just for continuing on and just for starting again. Because I can imagine just um, having a career such as that and work that I feel should withstand test of time. Or at least um, provide an interesting uh historical context to um uh to Los Angeles at that around the time she was dropping her music um to have something else is um you know just a, a reward that I don't think many people uh manage to find so shout out to Yo on that front. Absolutely. <coughs> Absolutely. Shout out to Yo Yo. Shout out to Yo Yo. Um, all right, when that's said, let's hop in to uh, finish up with that and hop into a light note if you have anything. <sighs> nah, not really this week. Have you got anything interesting? Nah, just not to move by, you know, all that stuff. But, um, guys, look at this, man. Look at this fucking. <laughs> look at this. It's, it's big crazy. Let me see if, like, you see if, we can, if I can put it on. Because I look fucking good in it, man. Like, I look fucking amazing in, in a motorcycle helmet. Like,. It's crazy. See, this is, this, is, this, is, this is the thing I've noticed about Ben over over the past uh, few months, where I've just like I I have to just say something, and he just goes in. He's in. Inco- I just you have to you just have to push him forward a bit just to get him to talk about it. So you know, it's just there he is. Look at this. Should yeah. fucking see me on a motorcycle. I'm fucking amazing. 
whipping it. Oh. Fucking um, very yeah, intense. Um, <laughs> I mean, it should be. Um, it's a fucking helmet. If it's a bit loose, then yeah, you're fucked. Um, I mean, for like my light note, I think uh, there was some, uh, I I yesterday as I, as we record, um, we I had uh, went to my my best friend's nephew's birthday party, right? And uh, he's six. I I'm not good with kids, bro. Right in general, but I do find them very fascinating just from afar to look at. Like the the <laughs> watching, watching, uh, watching a consortium of six to nine year olds uh uh perform social hierarchy right before your eyes is so fascinating to think about. <laughs> so fascinating for it. <laughs> just watching them play football, for example, and like you know just. Who, who you know? If, 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 I don't know if one of them just like falls on the floor. That's a foul. That's a foul. It's not a foul. No, no, no. And it's just interesting watching them tussle for you know just a uh, social supremacy. It's very, it's it's very primal. It's very it's very interesting. But with that said, um, I, I'm not built for I'm not built for children, bro. Like in that case, like just just watch it because because like, you know you you you're just gonna be like well just clap him bruv like you know if he's if you if he's giving you beef clap him up like you know what i mean but i'm sure, I'm sure like i'm sure life ain't this i'm sure parenting is as simple as uh you know if, if no. someone's giving you beef clap him <laughs> no way, but um... i took but i was there to, I, was, I was only there to take photos so uh you know i did that so and the food was banging try cornbread for the first time um highly recommend it um uh, but yeah banging food banging food shout out to curry goat i don't think i've ever Hope had cornbread know. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a I I I assume it's a Black American thing, um. But um, yeah, tried it for the first time and it's lit. So yeah, yeah. Two of my uh, best friends had kids in 2020, and so obviously I didn't really know much about kids. But uh, I'm actually going to see my. I mean, Catherine and I are family, so he's my nephew. Uh, and I go to I see him every Monday, usually every Sunday as well, and he's 14 months now, I think. Oh my god, guys! If you're out there and you're thinking, "Oh yeah, kids, everyone has kids," it's pretty pretty simple. You just have kids. It's not fucking simple at all. It's very fucking <laughs> difficult. It's one of the. It's just insane. Like I was actually hanging out with my other friend yesterday and and her little girl, and it's just it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. If you think that you can just engage with your kid whenever you've got energy, or like, no, 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 no. You have kids, that's your life for the next 5 to 10 to 15 to 20 years. Like, you will just, you know, if they wake up at 3 a.m., you can't just go in there and say, hey, go back to sleep now, it's okay. No, you're up at 3 a.m. And it doesn't matter if you went to bed uh, at 1 a.m., you're now up at 3 a.m. There's no, and you, ha- if you have to do that every day for six months, you have to do that every day for six months. There's no there's no way around it. It is a, f- it is a commitment, and I fully respect any parent out there and especially mothers i you know it was a perspective i would never have had until i you know either had kids myself or saw my friends have kids and i think that's one of the things like that's one of the saddest things about parenthood anyway is that the child is never going to know the sacrifices that the parents have made until you know a long way down the track maybe not ever but when you realize it, it's overwhelming as fuck, especially when you get to 30 and your parents have done so much for you and you're like, holy shit, my mom went through all that? Like, oh my God. So, you know, shout out to all the parents out there. Fully, fully respect you. And um, yeah, it might be in my future. I'm not sure. But if it is, then 
man. Fun fact about um, I don't know about your generation, but my generation specifically. My boy told me this right that we are the most likely generation to have stepchildren. Um, which interesting. I found interesting. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, huh. And I don't know what it is about my generation that makes the that right that raises the raises the uh, raises the potential of that. You know, every every generation has their reasoning for um, uh, for single parenthood, economically, socially, whatever. But I'm, I was I just found that I just found it interesting when he told me that. I was just like, hmm, interesting. He asked me. He he started off with that. I will say before, uh, before giving me the factoid, asking me like, would I, uh, would I rate being a stepdad? I'm just like, do you rate being a stepdad? <laughs> Why <are> you? <laughs> Is there something you need to tell me? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's also the case. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just an interesting thing about that. Just um, being a, yeah, I don't know. I think I'll just approach it. Just approach it. I think I'll just approach it. Just like, you know. I'm a person. You're a person. You know, this 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 makes it this make it work. Yeah. Mm. I'm not I'm not here to be a pops, bro. What's that? Mm. What's that? Pe- what's that thing that people say on social media? It's like I'm not the, I'm not the um I'm not the thing. Uh, uh, I'm the one that stepped up or something like that. I, was, I don't know. I'm I'm, mm. not, I'm not a stepdad. I'm the one that stepped up. It's just like, okay. Right. That sounds like an Instagram caption. Okay, bro. It is. It is. Okay. <laughs> That sounds like the. You it's know, on the, t. It's on t-shirts, bro. I've seen that shit on t-shirts. Like, yeah, that's oh, got fifty thousand likes on Twitter. People love uh, that shit. That's uh, got. That's yeah. got two hundred thousand quote tweets. People fucking love that <laughs> shit, man. This spoke to Jesus me. Oh, oh god, damn, fucking. The Facebookification of of Twitter is slowly happening. Bro, it's jarring. I hate like <laughs> it is just dragging me. Like, like there's a Reddit, there's a Reddit, so there's a subreddit called like um like Facebook or like crap Facebook memes or just like something like fa- something about Facebook memes. And it's just memes that come straight from Facebook, and you know they're specifically from Facebook, and it just it's always cringe. Like it's always something that's it's great. It's just the um. The, the mental health side of like Instagram because Instagram's like basically Facebook now and just the I have ADD so it takes me an hour to get ready in the morning or I have severe OCD so I had to turn the light switch off two times like and that is starting to go onto Twitter now and it's just like can you not do this like I thought we were we were separate from all this shit like this this like surface level like lame Instagram caption live life love kind of Oh god, man! The people that engage in that, I'm just like, guys, come on, get see a real therapist for fuck's sake, man! Like, just the, Twitter is not therapy. Instagram is not therapy. These aren't places to go find yourself and to find knowledge and to find wisdom. And this is not the place for that. Just accept that. Uh, anyway, 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 anyway. I tell you what, it is a good place to find knowledge and accept. Well, not acceptance, but wisdom, and that's digging in the digits. Every single week, Wednesday, we drop. Fucking check us out, man. Digging in digits. Nice. Having that said, ladies and gentlemen, on that tasty segue, uh, from the Fifth Home Podcast Network, this has been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I have been Jai Taylor of the Fifth Home. I have been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Finishing off Women's History Month next week uh, with the one and only Foxy Brown. 
and uh, a couple weeks after that, we will have our third anniversary episode. So until then, hope you will have a good week. Wish you always try and do the same. But until next time, take it easy. Easy job. All right, peace. Digging the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of MIDI games by bonus points. They said your records for ability to use. Socials for the fifth element. Hip hop by numbers. Bonus points to your records will be in the full show notes as well as the names of the projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. I'm digging in the digits. <laughs>